Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production, where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Hi, this is Steve Silver with Silver Screen Videos, and you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. You are listening to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We get to read fiction on the show and talk about some movies, books, you name it. If you like what I do here, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. You'll get some books and other cool stuff for your support. Go ahead and also reach out to me at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com, Aaron Horror Show on Twitter, or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We got the exciting conclusion of Macchiar Next Ascension for you. All right, enjoy. The tunnels beneath the megacities of Earth were like another world. The landscape was very different. There were long serpentine tunnels, buried ancient structures from a long forgotten New York, and even underground lakes of filth and decay. The passages were twisting and disgusting. Hyperloop tracks would block a passage, and ruins of an ancient civilization would clutter another. Meanwhile, the thugs were hot on their tail always a few passages behind them, a glow in the distance of a long, dark tunnel. After emerging in a large chamber that looked like it may have once been the interior of some forgotten train station, Makyarnik was surprised to see underground shanty towns built from the scraps of the society above. People and aliens milled about on their daily tasks, living off the trash of society. Makyarnik and Cassie scrambled their way down a rubble pile into the city, the people they passed turned their heads with a mild curiosity. The people of the town seemed to be more concerned about the thugs that bounded down through the tunnel opening after them. The people ran to their homes, and some even made a dash for other tunnels. Vendors with street carts with refurbished goods closed their booths, and the market became devoid of people. Cassie led Makiarnek through the streets of the town until they stopped at a hovel that had a rickety carbon sheets leaning together to make four walls and a roof. She knocked on a rusted metal plate that acted as a door. A purple alien with two eye stalks sprouting from a broccoli-shaped body opened the door. The creature saw Cassie and led her inside. Are you sure it's safe? Makiarnak asked, looking at the carbon sheets. They seemed like they were only standing because they were propped up, one on top of the other. Safer than you'll be out here. Cassie nodded to the thugs that were on the other end of town, kicking in doors and dragging people from their homes. Makiarnik went inside the hovel and was surprised to see a home that was a fraction of the size of his room. 
There was a circular bed and pillow for the occupant, a large cooler of water with a metal bowl underneath. The rest was a clutter and junk. Bakyarnik was stunned that these were the only possessions this creature had. If he had been his father, he would have thought this alien species was weird and like living in squalor. However, he had seen plenty of humans in the town living in smaller places than this. Cassie extended her hands in an open palm and sent some words to the being in a tongue that wasn't translatable. Exchanged a few words back and forth. The alien cleared a mangy carpet from the floor, and there was a trap door underneath. It opened the door and motioned for them to jump inside. They hopped down to a tunnel that smelled foul. There were about three inches of trickling black water at the bottom of the pool. Makyarnik almost gagged, and they made their way to a dingy room with several connecting tunnels. They took a breather on a large stone block. She had been more relaxed than they seemed to be out of arm's way. How did you know a place like that even existed? He asked. I was born here. Makyarnik couldn't even imagine what it was like for a kid to grow up in that town. He reached out and held her hand. What? <laughs> she said. Nothing. I just... I just like being with you. Mackie Arnek expected a retort. He was prepared for his sappy comment to be met with her signature sarcasm. However, she surprised him. She kissed him deeply, passionately. Even though they weren't in the most romantic location, he knew right then and there that he would be with Cassie forever. He loved her and he'd fight anything his father had in store for them. He didn't hear the charge of the plasma pistol until it was too late. In the middle of her kiss, Cassie's head exploded. He was showered in her blood and brain matter. Her body went limp in his arms. He cried out in shock and tried to cling to her body. Rasmus stood in one of the connecting tunnels holding a plasma pistol. He was surrounded by a squad of his private security wearing the same second-hand IF enforcer armor he'd seen earlier. One of them had their helmet opened. It was Lars. That son of a bitch sold him out. Makyarnik screamed in rage and ran towards his father. Lars hit Makyarnik across the forehead with the butt of his gun, and he fell to the ground. Blood dripped from his brow. You want me to cuff him? Lars asked Rasmus as he pulled out a pair of energy cuffs from a slot in his armor. No, Rasmus said. It's about time he learned to walk on his own. One of the thugs rifled through Cassie's body and retrieved the hard drive. Don't you touch her! Makyarnik screamed in charge for the thug. Lars swatted Makyarnik away like a bug before he even got one meter. He hit the wall and heard his bones crunch. Pain erupted from his chest. Lars tromped over for another round. You're lucky your father paid your bill. Or this would be the least of... Stop, Rasmus commanded. If he wants to wallow with his criminal girlfriend, let him. We got what we came for. Go spend your bonus. Makyarnik wiped blood and sweat from his face and crawled towards the headless body of Cassie. Lars nodded. You're the boss. Come on, boys. Lars and his thugs all started back down the tunnel. Rasmus pocketed the hard drive and turned back towards Makyarnik. Makyarnik, son, he said. Makyarnik didn't turn around. I don't expect you to understand, but you'll thank me one day. We may have had our differences, but I want you to know that your room, I didn't change it. It's exactly the way you left it. You can come back at any time. You may not believe it, but I loved you, son. Rasmus waited for a reply. When none came, he turned to leave. 
Why? Makiarnak said. If you love me so much, why did you ruin my life? My, my, my one chance at happiness? I know you may not get this now, but women come and go. Only your family is forever, and I did it to protect the family business. She played her part and helped me decrypt the hard drive. I knew you had stolen it all along, but at that point, I was at my wit's end. I had hired all the best code breakers and hats in the galaxy, but no one could hack it. When you stole it, I thought, maybe you could achieve what I could not. You could have asked me. You will never do anything I tell you. Trust me, this was the best way. You killed her. No, son, I let her live longer than expected. I had planned a hit the same night you showed up with the damn drive, but then I thought, maybe she was the solution. The Shushari encryption is impossible to break. I had no idea I was using my damn DNA as a cipher. What do you think the little dwarf planet empire has such been a thorn in IF's side? Use our biology against us. And now she's dead, all because you wanted a business advantage over some far-off alien government that means nothing to the UPE. I'm saving the UPE. The Shusharians discovered the largest Decran supply in the known galaxy. They'll think they'll stay a tiny empire for long. How much Decran would it take to knock on Earth's doorstep? Those who control Negromoto control the galaxy. You think I'm about to give it to the Shusharians because they found some damned hole in the ground first. I'm preserving our way of life. They'll fight for it. Of course they will. The IF is already mobilizing fleets. War is coming to the galaxy. It would be fought in the space around Negromoto. Just leave. The offer still stands. You're welcome back anytime. Go. Rasmus pursed his lips and turned to exit. Once his father's footsteps faded down the tunnel, Mackie Arnek scooped up Cassie's body for the first time in his life. He cried. Makiarnak opened his eyes. He was surprised to have remembered his death. He was in pain before, but that was gone now. The room around him was white and sterile. He sat up in bed, and various sensors attached to his body popped off his skin. That's when he noticed it wasn't his body, at least not the scarred one from years of service. The scars were still there. The Terillion blade scar that almost pierced his heart was the prominent feature of his chest. However, his skin was different. It had metallic sheen. He could also see his veins. They had a corrosive green filth running through them. His father entered the room. He was cracked with age, a breathing device embedded in his face. You're up! What did you do to me? Makiarnak looked at his hands. You never thanked me before. I couldn't expect you thank me now, his father said. It's an experimental treatment, son. I could not accept I would outlive you. I spared no expense. I reached out to many doctors throughout the galaxy. Makiarnak looked in a mirror that his father brought with him. His once blonde hair was now metal fragments. His blue eyes looked more like a cyborg's. They couldn't have cured the infection, but they could stop it, his father continued. They fused your DNA with the Terillian metal. To be honest, most of them think you're lucky to be alive. I knew you would live. My boy is a fighter. You know, Makiarnak said, 
That's right, I am a fighter. You said the company was under my name now. Yes, of course. You are my son. Macarnick thrust out his hand and grabbed his father's neck. He could feel the Torellian metal course through him. However, unlike when he was sick, he could control it. He concentrated on his father. The filth from his veins coursed through his hand to his dad. Rasmus gagged and coughed. He was dead in seconds. Macarnick tossed the body of his father to the ground. He felt good. A weight of his hand had been lifted from his chest. He'd finally felt that he could put Cassie to rest. He knew who'd be focused on that bitch that put him in the hospital in the first place. He would come for her next. Cal was on his list. Macarnick enlisted the next day after Cassie's death. With a stellar letter from Sergeant LaFalfus and other instructors from SIFS, he was selected for officer school. There were already reports of skirmishes near Negromoto between the Shusharians and the UPE. The IF spin doctors were already at work, weaving a story about the Shusharian suppression. His father hated the fact that he was going to war, as much as his father was a greedy asshole who didn't care who he had to walk over for profit. He hated the fact that his son would be put in harm's way. Macarnick, on the other hand, wasn't doing it despite his father. He was doing it for Cassie. She had taught him to stand up for something he believed in. While the UP wasn't perfect, it was better than it, the alternative. When he was packed in the transport that was headed for an IF intake base on the moon, he sat next to a young recruit. He looked to be about the same age as Macarnick. The man was bald and smiled. He had a large laugh and would talk about Kansas City barbecue like it was the pinnacle of human invention. They'd become fast friends. After his newfound friend outlined his plan to make sergeant one night during intake camp, he asked Macarnick about his plans. Macarnick didn't have any, at least none that he could think about, other than once the time came, he would destroy Negromoto and that damn Decrin generating machine. It was the least he could do for Cassie. To his for a friend, he replied, Captain, I think one day I'll make Captain. All right. That was it. Macarnick's ascension. It's complete. Granork's burden, burden is coming next. So yeah, uh, enjoy that. And, and you know, uh, this is the end of, of book one of uh, Turisticu. So look for, you know, if you are enjoying these stories, you can do me a giant favor. Now, I'm always going to ask for your honest opinion. So don't, you know... Give me a five-star review unless you really think this is a five-star material. But if you do, then please give me a review. And, and where I'd like you to leave your review is on Amazon. So if you look for Cal's Fate on Amazon, that is basically stories one through five all in one volume. So Cal's Fate is uh, stories one through five. Uh, and then we're going to move on to Cal's Quandary. Uh, the version I've been reading uh, for you, uh, you know, for for these are kind of the the old versions uh, <laughs> when I was calling them Touristicue Chronicles. Uh, so I'm going to call them Touristicue. And uh, these next stories that I'm going to read are from Cal's Quadri, the sequel uh, to Cal's Fate. Uh, so yeah, please review it on Amazon for me. Uh, that would, you know, help me a lot. Reviews are kind of how, you know, us independent authors 
get people to actually take a chance on their work, you know, because, you know, a lot of people see someone they've never heard of and, and they're, they're worried about spending their money and getting a crappy book. And I don't blame them, you know what I mean? And so having reviews help them go, hey, am I going to like this book or not? You know, so if you love it, uh, help other people discover it. Go to Amazon, look for Cal's Fate. Once you find Cal's Fate, go ahead and leave your review there. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening, and yeah, uh, I'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>